Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. A man is walking down the street past an insane asylum, and he hears chanting from beyond the hedge, 13, 13, 13. He says, what is going on in there? So he, he peers up through the hedge, and he sees a little hole, and he puts his eye up to it, and bam, he gets poked in the eye with a finger, and then he hears, 14, 14. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from APM American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Ben Knox Miller of the band The Low Anthem. You'll be able to catch them later this month. That joke is maybe a little more appropriate for Halloween. Maybe, maybe. maybe you'll be able to catch them on Halloween. I hope so. Coming up, Ishmael Butler of Shabazz Palaces, Dr. Pepper vs. Dr. Pepper, an actual disco inferno, and real estate. The band, not the struggling economic sector. But first, small talk. All week long, you've been hearing this. Rupert Murdoch withdrawing his bid for cable operation B Sky B. Three bomb explosions in Mumbai. Netflix price hike. Now for something you haven't heard, we turn to Jake Silverstein. He's the editor of Texas Monthly. So, Jake, what are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, there's an interesting story uh, out of Plano, Texas. The Dr. Pepper group is suing one of its bottlers. Why would they do that? Well, the bottler, it's a tiny bottler that is authorized to serve the original recipe for Dr. Pepper, which involves uh, cane sugar rather than corn syrup. Oh. People like cane sugar sodas now. They're becoming in vogue. Right. Now, the bottler is supposed to stick to their six-county jurisdiction and not distribute beyond that. But knowing that the hipsters uh, have a taste for their product, they've been creeping out into wider and wider areas. And so now they're getting slapped by their parent company. Dr. Pepper versus Dr. Pepper. This is That's right. Doctor on doctor. This is just what the Obama administration needed right now. More cola wars, <laughs> right? We thought we had this taken care of in the 80s. It's an opening for Romney. <laughs> Look for Billy Joel and camouflage. But this is a big deal in Texas because... As a lot of the reports have failed to mention, Texas is the birthplace of Dr. Pepper. Mm. Putting it on a very uh, impressive list of other Texas inventions, the breast implants, frozen margarita, Fritos, (laughs) the Super Bowl, and Anna Nicole Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Jake Silverstein, thanks for the small talk. Good to be here, guys. Now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history and give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is the Titanic, but instead of an iceberg, it crashes into a frozen margarita. <laughs> See? Which makes us the band on the deck, right? I guess. Whilst it's going down. Fiddling. First, the history. This week, back in 1979, a musical era went up in flames. Michelle Philippi tells the tale. Steve Dahl hated disco music. With good reason. He'd been a DJ at a Chicago rock station, but when it switched to a disco format, they fired him. Picked up by a competing station, Dahl launched a vendetta against disco. He urged listeners to join what he called the insane coho lips anti-disco army. He recorded an anti-disco novelty song that was a nationwide hit. And then, in 1979, he announced Disco Demolition Night. Between games of a baseball doubleheader at Comiskey Park, he would blow up a crate of disco records. 30,000 people were expected at Comiskey. More like 90,000 showed up. 
A haze of pot smoke hung in the air as attendees flung disco albums like frisbees. And when Dahl finally blew up the records, the crowd went off too. There are now, I'd say, 10,000 people on that field, Bill, without any question. Look what's happened now. They got the, the batting cage. They're running it around the outfield. Some of these records are being thrown high in the air, and they're going to strike people on top of the head. And that's why I'm a little bit leery up here myself. No one was seriously hurt, but home base was stolen. Literally. The Chicago White Sox had to forfeit the night's second game. That hasn't happened in the American League since. And as for disco, three years later, it had mostly fallen off the charts. So that was the history. Now for the drink. We have on the line Mike Ryan at Sable in Chicago. Mike, what cocktail does that story inspire? I can't wait. So I came up with something called the Disco Smash. (laughs) It uses kind of a funky, clear rum called Banks. Like a funky bass line. The rum is exactly the bass line. The clear rum has influences from all over the world, from the Caribbean, from Indonesia. But then all all the color is stripped out. So it's just this background. So like disco, it's funky yet bland. That was sort of my thought process. <laughs> I'm not a huge disco fan. Clearly. So uh, what's after the rum? Uh, a little bit of whole lemon and some mint, and then blue curacao, which is uh, internationally derided and mocked in the uh, serious cocktail community <laughs> as kind of being silly and soulless and uh, without culture. Man, so. people out there who like disco right now are they're going to blow you up. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I don't think the disco contingent has a whole lot of strength left to it. <laughs> Although, if there's a crowd of people with platform shoes picketing the restaurant tomorrow, then I will know that I'm wrong. That's right. Um, and the shoes will hurt if they kick you. Yeah. So, Rico, my favorite part of that whole disco fiasco yeah. is that Mike Veek, who was one of the organizers, his father owned the White Sox. Right. And he said the moment he saw someone leap over that wall, <laughs> he just knew that his life was over. As soon as they hit the field. And sure enough, he was blacklisted from Major League Baseball. Apparently, the Black Sox were a scandal-prone organization. <laughs> that is true. Folks, you'll find our drink recipes behind our website wall. I'll be hanging off it. Dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Ishmael Butler, formerly of Diggable Planets, and now the man behind Shabazz Palaces, an avant-garde hip-hop group whose recent album Black Up is being called Best of the Year by lots of critics. Ishmael, in several interviews, you said that you'd prefer for your music to speak for itself, so I thought maybe you could start us off by just suggesting a short clip from your album. I, I like the transition between the two different movements in the first song on the album called Free Press and Curl. Your songs don't follow kind of a traditional rap structure. Why is that? It's because when we make the music, that isn't what instinctively happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a reaction. It's just an action. Where does this sound come from? Yeah, I don't know if that's up to me to really answer because we're in the midst of it. So we're, to contemplate what you're doing is a little megalomaniacal to, <laughs> to me. Yeah. But years of listening to different music, seeing different films, seeing different paintings, listening to the things your parents told you or guys in the street that you liked or you you looked up to. Like, all of these things make a soup of experience that you draw from 
when things just kind of pop into your head. And I don't know specifically where those things come from. So when people ask me about it, I say I don't know because I really don't. Are you almost superstitious about not wanting to kind of exp- even explore it and just let it be untouched? I mean, I get what you're saying, and I I think so. But more so than anything, I just don't feel like it's necessary for me. You are on Sub Pop Records, which is famously the home of Nirvana, or was the home of Nirvana, and you're their first hip-hop act, I believe. You've been in the music business for a while. What are the key differences, of, if any, of being on a rock and roll label? The difference between Sub Pop and other places is, is vast because they're lovers of music, every single person there. So the experience has just been different in the best ways, but the whole inaugural hip-hop group act signing, release thing, hasn't really come up. I just didn't know if maybe they were just more poorly dressed than other places because, you know, the, the, <laughs> the legacy of grunge. <laughs> nah, they, 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 their legacy is, is regal and, and, and impeccable. All right. Because yeah. it's, one, it's one of your lyrics, it's like, swag is the brand, open the can. Uh-huh. And I just didn't know if you had to bring swag to Sub Pop to help them. Oh, nah, nah, they... they, they... That's swagged from from the floor to the ceiling, man, all day. <laughs> well, look, hey, we have two standard questions on our show. Okay. The first question is, what question are you tired of being asked in interviews? What's up with all the mystery? And that's because when your first few EPs dropped, you didn't give interviews, you performed with a scarf and sunglasses. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about mystery. We just had a different approach. Mm-hmm. And it was about the music rather than who we were and what we were thinking and what what we were doing at from hour to hour every day. Well, our second question is, uh, tell us something we don't know. Well, some people know this, but everyone should know this. Okay. That there's a restaurant called Paseo in Seattle that everybody should get a chance to go up there and eat. <laughs> is that like Mexican food? No, it's, it's like Caribbean. And that's your jam right now, that food? It's going to be my jam for as long as I'm jamming, bro. <laughs> So the mystery isn't related to the fact that you secretly have owned Paseo for the past 20 years and you didn't want to tell ah, people. And this is, everything I'm doing is directing everybody toward my investment. No, that's, that's right. not it. But get All it right. down there, though, please. All right, so Brendan, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but, but yeah, that interview is the first time I've heard swag used to mean stylish. Ah, Does that make me uncool? Spend more time. No, you need to spend more time with the kids, yeah. maybe. Yeah, swag is derived from the word swagger, and it, it can it can also mean cool, right. as in having this discussion about the meaning of swag is not swag at all. <laughs> at our, all. Our swag is diminished. I understand. <laughs> so, uh, so folks, swag up our Facebook page. Very good. At facebook.com slash dinnerpartydownload. Swag. Man, talk about it. It's a show. But if you move about it, then it's a go. Folks, that's the show for this week. You can also find us on Twitter, our website, Google+, if we can figure that out, The Promenade, etc. Visit us in any of those places. Yes, and special thanks this week to Jackson Musker, Brendan Willard, Peter Clowney, Ellen Gettler, and Mike Sula. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner parties. The band is called Real Estate, and the track is called It's Real. It's from their forthcoming album, Days. Bon appétit.
Enrico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Hey guys, good show. Brendan, this package just came for you. Oh cool, it's from Sub Pop. Nice. What? I didn't even know they made those. A flannel chain necklace?